This is Folk Scene. I'm Deborah Hand Cutler of Fiddler's Crossing Concerts with Peter Cutler at the controls. We're coming to you today from St. Jude's in the Mountains, Anglican Church in Tehachapi, California. My guest is master Irish fiddler Kevin Burke. Wonderful. Our guest on Folk Scene today is Master Irish Fiddler Kevin Burke. And Kevin, first of all, let's talk about those tunes you just did. Well, they're a, kind of a tune called a slide. There were three of them there. I don't have names for them, but the slide is a very popular type of a dance tune in uh, the southwest of Ireland, an area specifically called Schlievlukra which means the mountain of reeds or mountain of rushes. And it's an area you won't find on the map. Um, it's a cultural, geographical area rather than an administrative area. But it straddles Cork and Kerry and part of Limerick. And the slide is uh, a type of a jig. You know, most of the country would be playing reels and jigs, but in Sleeve Lucre they play 
what are known as polkas and slides. And the polka is like the reel equivalent and the slide is the jig equivalent. And what's the difference between the slide and the jig? Uh, well, to get technical, uh, it's basically the rhythm. And the normal jig is in 6-8 and the slide is in 12-8. So it's the time signature. Because it has a bit of a 4-4 four, four yeah. sense to it. Too. Yeah. Now, I noticed you're playing and you are holding the bow in a very classical style. So you must have played the violin as a child. Yeah, I went to classical lessons as a child. And uh, when I was playing nursery rhymes and Christmas carols and uh, you know, beginning to be able to string a few notes together, uh, my parents asked the teacher if she could teach me some Irish tunes. And she said, sure, but I don't know any. So you'll have to get me a book. So my parents gave her a book of Irish tunes and she taught me a few and they didn't sound quite right. My parents weren't musicians, but they listened to Irish music a lot, traditional music. So they knew how it was supposed to go. And it seemed the more I practiced to their ear, the worse it got. So they got hold of the teacher, brought her up to the house and played her a few records and said, you know, this tune is written in the book and Kevin plays it, but this is the way we expect it to sound and it's not the same, you know. So she said, well, what that guy's playing isn't what's written in the book. If you get me a book with that written in it, I'll teach him how to play that. So that was a big revelation. I realised that uh, I had to translate what was written in the book into something more like what I was hearing from my parents' friends. You know, there was a lot of music in the house. My parents had a lot of friends who played music. So they'd come over and we'd have sessions in the house. And so I was well used to hearing it, but I wasn't really aware of how to make it sound like that. I just thought if I played what was in the book often enough, it would eventually turn into what they were doing. So that was a big revelation. I had to use the book kind of like a telegram and then make a conversation out of it or make a, you know, a full sentence instead of just a few words. So did you have any Irish teachers or? No. You just learned by listening and, yeah. and going and playing. And yeah. Now, you didn't grow up in Ireland, though. You No, I grew up in London. But at the time, there were a lot of... Uh, Irish immigrants living in London, and a lot of them brought their music with them. And I was kind of lucky that some of the best Irish players of their day were living in London. So I had access to lots of really great musicians. Well, how about another tune? Sure. Since we're talking about London, one of the women I knew there was a woman called Lucy Fow, a fiddle player. And she was really helpful to me when I was a child, giving me advice and suggesting musicians to listen to and suggesting tunes I could learn. So she taught me this tune, which she said was a fling, kind of a tune called a fling, but she didn't have a name for it. So it soon became known as Lucy's Fling. Ah, uh, what is a fling compared with jigs and reels? I'm not sure. <laughs> okay. I'm not sure. Um, but then in later years, I recorded it with the great singer and guitarist, Michal O'Donnell. We used to play together in the Bothy Band, but then we did a couple of records uh, with just the two of us. And in one of those duet records, we recorded this with a piece of Scottish mouth music called Shummer of the Economy, which means many's the thing I have seen. And... Uh, Another tune, a kind of a hornpipe that's probably better known as a popular novelty song, Some Say the Devil is Dead. It's one of those kind of songs that became popular in the vaudeville times, I'd say. So, Lucy's Fling is the first one.
wonderful. I'm noticing your bowing and all the little up bows and is this a particular style? And down bows. And down bows, yes. You have <laughs> you go up, you have to come back down. But it just it looks so easy, but <laughs> I don't think it is. It's, well, I leave out the hard bits. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you play in a particular style. Well, I was very influenced in my early years by the players who came from my parents' area, which is a place called Country Sligo, which is renowned for its traditional music, especially fiddle and flute players. So that was probably the root of my style. But like I was saying earlier, there were lots of great musicians in London who had emigrated from Ireland and from all over Ireland. So I was listening to people who had lots of different styles. You know, I was listening to Northern Fiddlers and people from Kerry, Schlieve Lucre, like I mentioned. Clare music has a different style as well. So I was listening to them all and just kind of uh, went wherever it took me, you know. I didn't try to adopt any particular style, but... Of course, there were certain things I liked more than others and certain things came easier than others. So I just kind of followed my nose, if you like, followed my ears. <laughs> it sounds like it was an advantage for you in a way to grow up in London and not in, a way, in yeah. Sligo or in yeah. Clare. Well, I was very lucky, yeah. Yeah, to have that mix. Now, the first band you were in was with Christy Moore. Well, the first band I was in was called the Glenside Cayley Band. And that was a dance band playing in dance halls. And we also played in a few competitions and we actually won the All-Ireland in 1966, which was very exciting. And you were just a teenager. I was 16, yeah, 15 maybe. And then I joined a folk group called Lazy Rail in London and then I went to Ireland and played with Christy Moore. And after playing with Christy in his band for a couple of years, I was asked to join the Bothy Band. So I played with them for a few years. And then when that band wound down, Michal, the guitarist from the group, and myself came over to America. And we got stuck in Portland, Oregon. We ran out of gas in Portland, Oregon, because there was a gas shortage. We weren't able to buy gas to get to the next concert. I remember that period. So a lot lot of the concerts got messed up. So we had to kind of abort that tour. And then later on, we came back to do the concerts we'd missed, and we added a few more. And uh, we decided we'd stay in Oregon for a while just to see what might turn up, you know. And uh, 40 years later, I'm still there. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Let's go back to the Bothy Band for a minute because that was the first I really got into listening to Irish traditional music. I mean, we had Irish songs and the Chieftains and so forth and uh, when Irish eyes are smiling yeah, yeah. and all the Tin Pan Alley U.S. things. Then I have Irish in my heritage, so I was drawn to it. But I remember hearing the Bothy Band, a friend of mine had a tape of it, and we just went, wow, we love this. <laughs> and there were um, now I realized what amazing musicians were in that band. Yeah, yeah. You had Donald Lunny and... If I, if I pronounce that correctly. Yeah, Donald Lunny, Michal O'Donnell, and Trina, Michal's sister. They were the rhythm section, if you like. And then we had Matt Malloy playing the flute and Paddy Keenan playing the pipes. And before me, Tommy Peoples was playing the fiddle. And before Tommy, Paddy Glacken was playing the fiddle. But neither of those stayed in the band for very long. How long uh, were you in it? Probably three or four years. The band didn't last that long, you know, but I was definitely the longest serving fiddle player. Wow. How about another tune? Okay. We were talking about jigs earlier, so this is a jig that I wrote called Across the Black River. My mother grew up in a, a little house on the hillside 
and there was a river in front of the house called the Black River. So I, uh, I wrote this tune called Across the Black River. And was that in Sligo? Yeah, in a place called Mass Hill in the Ox Mountains. And uh, the second tune is called Podgy No Rafferty. This is Folk Scene. I'm Deborah Hand Cutler, and my guest today is Irish fiddler Kevin Burke. Kevin, I understand that you actually met Arlo Guthrie in a pub in Ireland. Back in 1972, there's a town in the west of Ireland called Milltown Malbay that was home to several great musicians. I used to go down there on visits occasionally and they had a little music festival every year 
So I'd sometimes uh, coincide my visits with the festival. And uh, that festival later became a really big festival. Uh, one of the musicians who lived nearby was Willie Clancy, great piper. And when he died, they named the festival the Willie Clancy Festival. And then it just grew and grew and grew. And now it's one of the big music weeks in Ireland. But at the time it was quite small. But Arlo was in England playing at the Cambridge Folk Festival and he had about a week off and thought it, it might be an idea to go to Ireland, uh, hear some music. So they went to uh, Dublin, went to O'Donoghue's pub, I believe. O'Donoghue's pub is, is, was a great music pub in Dublin at the time, very well-known place. But when they got there, they were told, well, there's not a lot happening because most of the musicians are down in Milltown Malbay at the, at the festival. So they said, well, where's that place? And they headed off. So one lunchtime, I walked into the pub and there were all these American guys sitting around, three or four or five guys. They started playing and I was thinking, wow, these guys are good. They know what they're doing, you know. And then they, they saw I was carrying a fiddle case and they asked me to join in and we spent a couple of days together and they went back to America and you know, a month or two later I got um, a letter saying, uh, if ever you think of coming to America, October would be a really good time because the, the trees here in Massachusetts uh, turn into all kinds of spectacular colours. It's something to see. And we're making a record. <laughs> so I thought, well, whatever about the trees, I like the idea of, a, <laughs> of being around for them making the new records. But know? the trees are gorgeous, though. <laughs> they are, yeah. And so was the record. <laughs> yes. So, um, yeah, I came over, met Arlo, and we went to L.A. to record, and he he got me to play a few tunes, which ended up in the record, and I met a bunch of the great Los Angeles musicians, and it was all very exciting for me. And I, at the time, I was wondering, you know, I was watching what these American guys were doing with their folk music. A lot of it was traditional folk music, but, you know, they were making it sound slightly different, updating it, you know, for traditional music with a contemporary sound. And I was just wondering if that would ever happen in Ireland. And then three or four years later, I was playing with the Butty Band, which is exactly what we did, you know. Right. And Patrick Street. Patrick too. Street was another band I played with for a good while. And I played with Open House for a while. And a group, an international group of fiddle players called the Celtic Fiddle Festival. So, uh, yeah, I've been in a good few groups. My advice to anyone who wants to uh, form a music group is the first person to hire is a psychiatrist. <laughs> uh <-huh. laughs> right. Um, you met Hoyt Axton too, right? Yeah, I, through Arlo, I met a Hoyt and... Uh, we palled around for a while. He brought me across the States. I met him once or twice, but I, I went to a, a concert of his in Boston and he got me up to play a few tunes with him. And then after the concert, it was the last night of a tour for Hoyt. So after the concert, he was going to drive back to Los Angeles with the band, you know, and... Uh, persuaded me to get on the bus. <laughs> so I drove across country to Los Angeles with, with Hoyt and his band. Doug Dillard was in the group at the time. and It was great hearing him because he had quite a connection with uh, Irish music, even though he wasn't totally aware of it. But we, you know, as we played together, we found out certain tunes that... I would play were tunes that he kind of knew or tunes that he would play. They were tunes that I kind of knew, maybe slightly different, you know, maybe a different second part or play it in a different key or something, or a slightly different rhythm. But well, because they've changed. Lots of little links. Yeah, the way music changes over sure. time and over distance. So that was kind of nice. And then you ended up in Portland and... 
Yeah, it's funny. Hoyt used to say to me, you should go up to Oregon. You'd really like it up there. And uh, it just kind of went in one ear and out the other. But then some years later, when I was on tour with Mihal, we got stuck in Oregon. And it turned out we we did like it. Hoyt was right. I didn't really uh, enjoyed the place, so stayed for a while. And still there, more or less. How about another tune? Okay, well, maybe an American tune. You know, after hanging out with all these great American musicians, I started listening to some of the great American fiddlers. And one fella I was listening to was Kenny Baker. And through listening to Kenny Baker, I learned about Bill Monroe. And I was listening to a Bill Monroe record, and I heard this tune uh, one day, and it really struck me as interesting. I'm not a bluegrass player, so I was afraid to even try it for a long time. But I liked it so much, I thought, I'm going to find a way to play this. So I changed it around a bit and ended up with my version. But it's a, it's a tune called Evening Prayer Blues, which apparently was written by a man called DeFord Bailey. But I heard it from the playing of Bill Monroe. Mm, 
beautiful. I love the drone quality to that. <laughs> I guess because I'm a cellist. Ah, <laughs> yeah. There you go. This is Folk Scene, and my guest is Irish fiddler Kevin Burke. Uh, Kevin, this is maybe a good time to mention your website. Yeah, it's kevinburke.com. And I was looking at it. You do workshops. You offer private lessons. Yeah. The website has a kind of a biography of how I started playing and living in Ireland for a while and then coming over here. And it also talks about uh, what equipment I use, you know, my fiddle and strings and all that. Yeah, why don't you mention what that I was... Well, this instrument that I've been playing since the year 2000 was made by a Dutch man living in Ireland, a man called Michael de Hoog. I think the proper pronunciation is de Hoog in Dutch, but in Ireland he's known as Mickey de Hoog. D-E, new word, H-O-O-G. And the bow that I'm playing is made by my brother, Noel, Noel Burke, He's a really fine uh, violin bow maker. Well, bow maker. He makes cello bows also and viola bows. And Does he play as well? He plays the flute, not the fiddle. Uh, and I usually use obligato strings. Up until recently, I was using Bernadelle uh, rosin, but I recently found some Parastro gold rosin, so I'm using that at the moment. I'm not averse to using other strings. It's just I, I find the obligato probably the most consistent. And also on the website, there's a shopping page where you can buy um, CDs and uh, books. I've done a couple of books. And I did some work with some classical musicians in Portland. We did a CD together called Sweet, S-U-I-T-E. Cal Scott, who I was playing with at the time, uh, wrote out the scores for the second violin, the cello, and the and the uh, viola. Those score sheets are available on the website as well. And not for the first violin. Uh, yeah, but uh, I I was the first violin. But the, but scores the score is there as well. Yeah, for everything. And it comes in four booklets for each individual instrument, and then there's one other booklet, a fifth booklet, which is the complete score. So if you have a like a music teacher or a conductor, he has the whole score in front of him. But then we have the individual booklets for the individual instruments. But this is classical or it's... It, traditional tunes with an arrangement for a string quartet. I'll have to check that and out. And the first violin, the score actually says first fiddle, second violin. Um <laughs> And the, the first fiddle is playing traditional tunes more or less the way I normally would, you know. But the accompaniment is for the classical players. Oh, I love that. Yeah. And I'll definitely check that out. And you also did some instructional books too. Yeah, I've done some in, instructional videos and DVDs and uh, some of those come with a book. Uh, but I also put out a couple of tune books the instructional videos and DVDs were put out by Homespun Tapes and they're now available for download. You can't buy them from the website anymore. They've turned it into a digital download. So the, the physical DVDs and videotapes, I don't have them anymore. Uh, but, you, you know, if you go to the website and click on the, the link, it'll take you to Homespun where you can download those things. But uh, I also put out a couple of books, tune books. One is the music from a CD I did with Cal Scott, a CD called Across the Black River. We wrote out all the music from that CD, complete with chords for the accompanists and uh, some of the bowings for the fiddlers. But it's just the music from that one CD. And then I put out another book, which is, uh, again, tune transcriptions of some of my early CDs, four of my early CDs. The, one of them, If the Cat Fits, uh, is written out it's in, in its entirety. And then the others have uh, most of the tunes. But for, there's a bit of overlap, so I didn't want to repeat myself and... Uh, one or two of the tunes we couldn't include because of uh, copyright restrictions. And, 
But that second book is called The Solo Albums because basically it's the transcriptions of solo albums that I've done. Uh, that contains about 120 tunes, I'd say. And I also give... Uh, I've done a recorded series of lessons with fiddlevideo.com and basically each lesson is a tune. But there are some, a handful of lessons where I might talk about uh, specific styles, specific techniques that I might use. But mainly it's each lesson is a tune. And it's a subscription uh, system where you can join for a, a week or a month or a year or six months. And uh, there are a good few other musicians who have done a series of lessons on fiddlevideo.com and certain subscriptions give you access to all of them. If you want to, if you want to sign up that way, you have access to... I know Tim O'Brien is one of the musicians and a couple of others, I can't remember the names, sorry. But uh, also, if you just want to learn from me, for example, you can sign up and uh, I, there's a price range. But yeah, again, you'll have to go to the website to find out the more details. And your website is www.kevinburke.com. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. So we have time for a few more tunes. Okay. What would you like to play next? We were talking earlier about Carolyn, so maybe this would be a good time to play some more Carolyn music. Oh, yes. I remember you came and gave a concert here in Tehachapi for Fiddler's Crossing about four years ago, I think. And you played O'Carolan's Concerto, and yeah. that because that's one that we know here, the violinists oh, really? and fiddlers play, yeah, and cellists. Some of us can play that, oh, and, right. but not like you played it. It just <laughs> knocked us. Well, just. I usually play it together with uh, another one of his pieces called Loftus Jones. So oh, right, I love that I put too. Put the two of them together. That's Great. Okay. Oh, thank you for playing those. You're very welcome.
Mm. Wow. You make it look and sound so easy. Well, like I said earlier, I'd leave out all the hard bits. <laughs> That's my secret. Oh, boy. Also, I hadn't realized before I've known that tune, well, both tunes, but how much it's like Bach. I felt like I yeah, was listening yeah. to Bach. Oh, yeah, very similar. He was very influenced by the Baroque music. Yeah, it's very, what's the word? Bach, Bachian? Bachanalian? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> right. You told me that you had a house in Ireland also. Do you go over yeah, there and play? Yeah, just before a, the pandemic, I bought a little cottage in the west of Ireland. So I've been spending some time over there, which is, uh, you know, good fun and kind of interesting and needs quite a bit of work. So I was, uh, I've been doing that painting and cleaning and it doesn't need much structural work, but good bit of cosmetic work. Are there a lot of musicians where you are yeah, there? Yeah, yeah, it's so great. Yeah, I, I, I'm about an hour and a half from Galway. Oh. And about an hour and a quarter from Sligo. Probably about the same to Carrick and Shannon. And then Westport itself and Castlebar, uh, they're the two nearest towns. Lots of great musicians living around. So I'm never short of a tune. Matt Malloy from the Botty Band that I used to play oh, with. Right. He lives in Westport. And um, yeah, there's lots of, lots of great musicians around. Yeah, because Galway used to be quite a music town. Yeah. It still lots is. Great music there. Uh, I had a few great sessions with Sharon Shannon since I moved back. And um, there's a guy called Sean Ryan who's a great whistle player. I went down to where he was playing New Year's Day that was great hearing all the locals. Yeah, it's good. But you still come back to Portland. Yeah, yeah. There are a lot of Irish musicians in Portland too. Oh, a good dances. few, yeah, a good few. You know, not not hell of a lot, but for a town its size, it's got quite a strong Irish music group of followers. You know. Yeah, we know some players up there and dancers. And yeah. Well, I guess we have time for one more tune. Okay. Well, I play a few reels. I have names, but I don't know if they're necessary. <laughs> the first one's called The Sailor on the Rock. The second one is called Michael Kennedy's Reel. And the third one is called The Hop Down Reel. And they go exactly like this.
Wonderful. Thank you, Kevin, so much for stopping in. Oh, you're very welcome. Thank you. You've been listening to Folk Scene. I'm Deborah Hand Cutler with Peter Cutler at the controls. My guest has been master Irish fiddler, Kevin Burke. And we've been coming to you today from St. Jude's in the Mountains, Anglican Church in Tehachapi, California. And I'd really like to thank Father Wes and Wendy Claire for allowing us to be here today.